From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. Hello and welcome to Highway 89. I'm Mark Wade and today we've got a trio from the Beethoven Festival with us. We're joined by Russell Harlow, clarinet, Leslie Harlow Viola and Pamela Palmer Jones Piano. Beethoven Festival is a nonprofit organization, the longest running classical musical festival in Utah. They've been on the show before several times. They, each year they bring in a great program. We're going to be hearing some Beethoven, Brooke, Foray, and Telemann. Let's start with this trio sonata by Georg Philip Telemann. Here's the Beethoven Festival musicians. Thank you. 
You're listening to Highway 89, and we've got the uh, Beethoven Festival with us, Russell Harlow, Leslie Harlow, and Pamela Palmer-Jones. And we just heard from Georg Philip Talamon, Trio Sonata, on Highway 89. Now we're going to have a little conversation with clarinetist Russell Harlow. Tell us about this lineup of music. What is the alchemy involved in taking disparate pieces of music, programming them together, what fits, what doesn't fit? What's your philosophy, whether oh, for a good. concert or for a radio broadcast? Wonderful. Well, the three of us have been working for a, a couple of years now on a lot of different kinds of music. Um, we're working on music that is not necessarily written for our combination. The uh, foray that you're going to hear in a moment uh, was a piece that was originally begun by foray in... Uh, his 81st year, I believe. So he only made a foray into it? That's right. The only time... I don't want to go there. Okay. <laughs> you rascal. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, he was 81 when he started writing this thing. He finished the second movement, and he was really writing it for clarinet, cello, and piano. His publisher, Duran, didn't like the idea even though he had gotten a, a good head start on it, and said, look, it's not going to sell. Let's Why? Is that even more unusual than it's, clarinet viola? It's, uh, clarinet, no, clarinet uh, cello, I guess, in those days, was kind of unusual for chamber music. Clarinets, especially in France, basically band instruments, right? And so there was the Republican Guard, and there was there. This is so so to write chamber music for uh, for that combination. The elite. publisher thought he wouldn't make a lot of money, and there of course was you know at that time I do believe uh, there were quite a few piano trios running around with violin and cello, right? And right. then there was of course Casals, Thibault, and Courtauld. Uh, just a little bit later. No, no, it was right around the same time as this. As a matter of fact, uh, Casals, Thibault, and Courteau actually uh, did the premiere of this, this piece. So recently, the clarinet part has kind of popped up, and a viola part. And so we started playing it, and Leslie and I are always looking for music and new music, that, uh, new old music that we can play. So uh, we started playing this. It's one of the most beautiful pieces that we've ever played. The Max, so, yes. So you found something that works for your instruments, but why? What's your philosophy in putting specifically the Telemann with the Foray, with the Brook, with the Beethoven? You're not just pulling names out of a hat. You're you're putting puzzle pieces together. It's and a what matter you feel of works. It's right? a matter of a feel, I think, of different time. Uh, certainly, uh, the Baroque. Uh, then we're going to jump. We play the Telemann, which is Baroque, and we're going to jump into the um, into the foray, which is very late Romantic, or or actually late uh, um, uh, Impressionistic music, and uh, it's some of his most beautiful stuff. Then the Brook goes back to the 1890s, or or at least to the beginning of the century, and then we're going to play. After that, Beethoven. Now, this is Opus 1, number 1. Now, we're, we're really stretching it because we're going to do the Beethoven uh, trio that was originally written for piano, violin, and cello. So how old is he at this point? <laughs> is he still how old in is Nickers? who? Beethoven. Beethoven. Is his Opus 1. He's probably, it's probably in the, uh, about 1800. He's around 30. 
my pianist tells me. So he's around 30 years old. He's still a very young man, and it's his first opus. Okay. It works. How it's do you adapt the, these, the pieces that weren't written for your, this specific lineup or instrumentation? Well, there are some things that have to come down an octave because they're not characteristic of the clarinet. So, uh, uh, so for my instrument, I will actually take certain things down an octave, and sometimes we change the piano part just a little to make sure that it doesn't, uh, uh, certain notes don't clash. And uh, the viola is a wonderful partner in, in these pieces. So. All right. Well, let's uh, go to the foray you were talking foray. about. Let's hear that next. We're going to hear two pieces in a row. First movement of the Gabriel Foray Trio, Opus 120. Then go straight into the second and third movements of what's called Eight Pieces by Max Brook, his Opus 83. You're listening to the uh, Beethoven Festival musicians here on Highway 89.
Just heard the second and third movements from Max Brooks' Eight Pieces, Opus 83. Prior to that, the first movement of the Gabriel Foray Trio, Opus 120, as performed by musicians from the Beethoven Festival here on Highway 89. Speaking with Leslie Harlow, the viola player here from the Beethoven Festival, and you're the you're the backbone of the festival, aren't you? Well, it's uh, Russ and I work together, but I did start it. Uh, you started it. <laughs> yes. Still a joint effort. Mm-hmm. Um, the longest running classical music festival in Utah. Give us some background on the history. Um, let's see. I had been playing with some other festivals around the country. And I came out to Utah to play with the Utah Symphony one summer. And I thought it was so beautiful here. I went all over. You don't want to give us a year? Was that, uh, was that 1982, indiscreet? 83, okay. right during that time. You were only about 12 years old then. Yes, I was only 12 years old then. And uh, I thought it was so beautiful. And as I said, I'd been playing at some other chamber music festivals around the country. And I had friends, particularly uh, the one who started the Skinny Atlas Music Festival in New York. And I was able to see how it was set up and, and the format. And I thought it was just fantastic. I'd always loved chamber music. So I came out here, really didn't know what to expect. But I went to Park City and wandered around and saw Deer Valley. And at the time, Deer Valley Resort was brand new, but I had no idea. So there was nothing going on in the summer. Nobody was playing in Park City. The condos were empty. There was kind of a recession, but of course I had no knowledge of that. And I thought, well, this would be a beautiful place to bring musicians to play together. And so that you thought, is, let's yeah. turn this winter resort into a summer resort. Yes, but I we always... We have you to thank I, for that. Yes, I had been skiing once in my life in Utah, in Park City, and also fell in love with Utah. So that was another reason I wanted to come back here after I graduated and start a festival here. And uh, I was pretty naive, I have to say, because I thought... Deer Valley Resort would be so happy that they would give me a condo. That's how naive I was. I was 30. Uh Uh-oh, now you know. So that was 37 years ago. Um, So I just called up a bunch of musicians that I knew that were really great. And they didn't know me really well or anything like that. But uh, Jeffrey Solo, the cellist, had told me about a great violinist who started the Sitka Festival in Alaska. So I called him, and he actually caught me off guard because... I called him and I said, Paul Rosenthal, you don't know me, but would you like to come play in a festival in Utah? And he said, sure, when do you want me and what do you want me to play? And I just went, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know so it went from there. Uh, we invited quite a few. I uh, joined forces with Kimball Art Center and Carol Cordray, who was the assistant director, and we started setting up the festival, and that's how we launched the first one. Highlights over uh, these past couple of decades? Oh, uh, that that's so difficult. There have been over 750 concerts. It would be very hard to pick some, but I would say one of the highlights would be when we did the Arinsky Cello Quartet. It's two cellos, violin and viola, with the incredible violinist Charles Lebuff, who is no longer with us, but he was this amazing violinist. And I remember just listening to him play the few opening bars and my blood just ran cold i had never heard anything so beautiful and that's not to disparage our other players but he was just phenomenal and phenomenal to play with so that that was a high point i would say playing that piece with him um we've performed so much another thing that we do at the festival which um the three of us do quite often 
is we do a lot of outreach and we play for um, seniors in assisted living and uh, senior nursing homes around the, the state, actually, primarily in Salt Lake area and then also up in Colville and, and you know, in various places a little bit closer to home. And what we developed is this program. This is part of the program that we play for them. All of our concerts are classical music concerts. Um, we have resisted the trend pops. to do pops concerts. Or see, we we're not doing this to ma to make money to support this organization. This is a very it's, it's not about pleasing the masses. No, I mean that would be in order to maybe make a lot of money and be able to keep your organization running. Ours is so small. We just have a staff of two and a board of five. And we have about 140 musicians that rotate in and out playing with us. So we're able to keep uh, the costs way down and stay with classical music. That's our mission. So you have a stable of 140 musicians. Is it always chamber music, or do you ever do larger ensemble performances? We have occasionally done larger um, performances. We had a music camp for 11 years, and uh, that was for young artists who were professional track, and they came from all over the world. And we had 45 uh, faculty members, and we did that in Park City. And uh, the kids were here, I mean, they were all ages. They were like 15 to age 35. Uh, they were here for six weeks. So we did chamber orchestra and orchestra concerts too. They were primarily strings, and we augmented that with the a few other players, strings and winds. But that um, type program is very hard to run, we found, by the end of the 11 years because the cost of young players having to go to pay for going to school now is so incredibly high that almost every uh, young player that we had would have to be on scholarship. And to raise enough money to do that, plus house them in Park City in the summer, became just crazy. Yeah. Um, Park City, as you probably know, is just filled to the brim in the summer. And, and so, that's your fault. We've already established uh, yeah, that's your it's fault. It's our fault. It started and, with you. Yes, it started with us. It was just know. a ghost town in the summer. Uh, yeah, it really until was. Until the Beethoven Festival. Yeah, that's true. And it was called the Deer Valley Chamber Music Festival back then. But anyway... Uh, one of the things that um, you had asked us about, the combination of pieces that we do, we play a lot of times for the, these seniors, and a lot of them have backgrounds in music, and they ask us, uh, they, they have requests, they want to hear the Moonlight Sonata and things like that. They really love classical music, and a lot of them have it in their background too. So we've picked out a lot of pieces that they love and put them together into programs. As we play them, we can tell the reactions. And they love Beethoven, they always love Beethoven. Um, so, as you were asking Russ about how we put concerts together, it depends on the type of concert that we're doing. We do a chamber music hour in Park City now, and that's on Thursday evenings, at a little bit uh, lower price range, but we play a little over an hour with no intermission, no fancy uh, refreshments or anything, and we get a great audience for that. We play in the city park, and we play free in city park, and we play classical music. And we get about 200 people there every Monday night to hear classical music, and they bring their families and their grandkids, and, you know, it's really... Uh, this is uh, Park City? This city is in park? park City, in, in Park City City Park, there by the Miners Hospital. And people just spread out their picnics, and we play under the gazebo. So wow. that's those are just some of the concerts that we do. That sounds like fun. It is. I just wish it weren't so far away. 
That's true, but we are venturing down. <laughs> but you're here, here in Provo for, for this. You're, you're doing a Highway 89 in Provo. We are, and I also teach at UVU. I coach chamber music there, and we have that new performing arts center there. So we're And we have collaborated quite a bit with UVU in a spring festival in the past. And now that we have a performing arts center, we hope that we can do that some more, too. So we'll be down here. Good. <laughs> Well, we're going to finish up the show with Beethoven. As you mentioned, it's popular with everybody. What's not to like? We're, this is sounds like really early Beethoven to me. His trio, Opus 1, Number 1, Movement 1. We have musicians from the Beethoven Festival here on Highway 89.
heard the Beethoven Trio, Opus 1, Number 1, First Movement, here on Highway 89. It's been our pleasure to have Russell Harlow, clarinet, Leslie Harlow, viola, and Pamela Palmer-Jones, piano, from the Beethoven Festival here with us today on this episode of Highway 89. Thanks for joining us here in Studio 6. If you just got part of the show or want to listen again, share it with a friend, it's easy to do. All of our shows are archived online for free on-demand listening at byuradio.org slash highway89. This is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. I'm Mark Waite, producer and engineer with assistant producer Christina Jorgensen. Thanks for listening. <laughs>